Colossians Review. Today, we will be reviewing the sections of Colossians that we studied this week. As we read these verses, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what He wants you to take away from this section of Colossians. And following today's scripture, join us for our Turn the Page bonus podcast. Colossians 3, verses 1-17 through 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Turn the Page bonus podcast. My name is Tammy Melchine. Again, I lead the teaching team here at Community. And today I'm joined by Ian Simpkins. Ian, welcome. Hey, hi, everyone. So glad to have Ian with us. He is the Uh, one of the teaching pastors at our Naperville Yellow Box location and uh, just the guru of all smart things, right? No, no, no. no. (laughs) Raise the expectations for this bonus podcast. (laughs) Strike that from the record. Everyone go ahead and lower your expectations back where they were. Oh, well, I'm thrilled to have you join me today, Ian. And uh, we're going to reflect back on what we read this week in the third week of this Turn the Page Bible Experience. And uh, as I think about it, like chapter three, where we started this week, it, it starts with some really astounding statements about our identity in Christ. Yeah. Like if you think back to where even we started in Colossians, when, um, you know, Paul through that, that poem early on in chapter one talks about just the supremacy of Christ and, and how Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord. But then when we get to Colossians three here, he makes this astounding statement. He says, he reminds us that Christ is seated at the right hand of God. But then he says to us, he says, for you died 
and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Just this idea that, you know, Christ is on the throne, but we are there hidden seated with him. I mean, it's hard for me to comprehend that. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that because I think it's hard for a lot of us to comprehend. I, I Honestly, maybe you're not supposed to have favorite chapters. I think Colossians chapter 3 is one of the most astounding chapters out of all the New Testament letters. And you'll see why probably as we continue this conversation. But this idea of being in Christ is actually arguably the most common description of these first century Christians. This This rootedness in our, what we would call like our ontology is in Christ, we're seated with him, we identify with him, right, it's a massively significant term. Yeah, like even maybe would encourage people uh, sometimes when we're, when we're done with this experience, maybe to go back through the book of Colossians and just look at how many times that phrase, in Christ, in Christ, I mean, it is all throughout this letter, uh, that idea that we are in him. Well, um, the bulk of what we read this week then had more to to do about what um, kind of what our life is supposed to look like then and and this idea that a a christ following lifestyle flows out of this christ formed identity and I just wonder if you could speak to that for a little bit like how do you see that lifestyle flowing from that identity yeah, yeah. I take notes I won't lie to you that I uh, wrote some stuff down so I don't lose my place but you can see them I- in glasses reflecting. I knew as soon as I switched over to a Word doc, you were gonna, someone's gonna call me out like, wait a minute, he didn't memorize all of this, not even, not even close. But one of the things I had a mentor that used to regularly speak this to us, he says, your activity flows from your identity. You, you will live out what you believe to be true of yourself. And even if you're not like a Jesus person or you're not sure where you land with all this, this Bible stuff, I think that's just true universally. What you actually believe to be true about your identity, the core of who you are, that has inextricable impact on the kind of life that we live. And the thing that's beautiful about the gospel that Paul is particularly proclaiming here in this chapter is that your identity is received, not achieved. It's Mm. not kind of like ladder that you climb to like eventually earn God's favor. Part of what's so scandalous about Paul's message, particularly given Paul's background, is that this identity is given to us through faith via grace. Yeah. You couldn't earn you it. Earn it. You couldn't be smart enough or holy enough. You couldn't. You couldn't merit it at all. And it's it's so much more about waking up to the reality of what's already true about us. I heard a priest. It was just a couple of days ago, actually. He said, "Obedience is about rules, but love is about waking up." Like this idea of having the eyes to see what's actually true about us. And it's not that there aren't still rules that obedience isn't still the call of christ on our lives but it's way less about oh man i gotta like earn god's favor earn his affection or or earn this this identity he's saying no it's it's grace it's given to us and then when we really really understand that it begins to affect the way that we actually live out in the world yeah we 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 begin to live who we really are exactly which which is a a good uh, i think segue maybe into uh, you know, one of the things that sometimes can be confusing when you read this section is, you know, the, the, the previous chapter, Paul was all, you know, warning them against legalism, a, a warning against all these people that just want to put rules on them. It's kind of like he warn, 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 don't, you know, look out for this. And then you flip the page and he's like, do this, do this, do this. <laughs> you know, and, and so sometimes that can seem confusing. Like, how do you reconcile those two things? Yeah, I think that's a really common question, actually, because I'll often hear people say, I've heard people say things like, 
it's not rules, it's relationship. And yet you do have to reconcile that Jesus talks about like love and obedience being linked together. I think what Paul is getting at here is that we don't do these things in order to earn God's favor. It's not these rules and rituals that we have to, we have to nail it so that God will pay attention to us or so that we can earn favor in his eyes. We don't, we don't work, we don't work for God's approval. We work from it. Like because it's already given to us, because it changes the way that we live, Paul is saying, like, for example, he talks about setting our minds on these things. He's talking about formation. He's saying the, the world's going to want you to think this way. You know, he talks about in Romans, like, don't be conformed to the patterns, the boxes of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, the way that you renew your mind, it's, it's not doing some things and it's doing other things. There's an activity involved. There's formation involved. And it's all undergirded with this idea of like, this is already true of you. Yeah. Now, now live as if that's actually true. I think about, you know, I have two little ones. I have a one and a half year old and a two and a half year old. And Owen, my two and a half year old is, is just old enough to start getting this where we're trying really hard as parents that when he, when he makes a mistake or he missteps that rather than saying you better not do that again or else. And instead start to say things like, that's not who you really are. Mm-hmm. Like being a Simpkins, we don't treat our younger brother that way. And we don't, we don't throw a fit when we don't get what we want or it's, it's wanting to remind him of like what's true of him and then call him to that rather than what tends to be unfortunately often a predominantly punitive version of Christianity is don't misstep or like God's ready to smite you or strike you, yeah. you know, strike you with lightning. That's well, I, I think sometimes we even can get caught in that even if it's cause I think about, you know, in, in earlier times in my journey, and of course it's something we probably all struggle with at all points in our journey, but earlier points in my journey, I think sometimes it wasn't that I thought God was going to strike me down, but I felt like, I felt like I needed to do good thing. I needed to be good in order just to make him happy. And even there's a subtle difference between that, because there's still an underlying kind of belief in there that in order to really get his approval, Mm -hmm. it's dependent on the stuff I do. And I remember, you know, a particular time in my life, it was actually a, a time of brokenness, honestly, that, that there's something that clicked in me that I was like, okay, you know what? My identity is that I'm loved. Mm-hmm. My identity is that, like he, like you said, I'm in Christ. Right. And so I still, like, my behaviors really didn't change that much. It's like I still wanted to do the right things in these mm-hmm. situations, but it was now coming from a completely different place. That. Yeah. That's really good. It, it, it reminds me of a study I, I saw years ago where it was kind of a prank. They had got like 10 volunteers and they had a professional makeup artist put this like big gnarly scar on their face mm-hmm. and they were going to send them out to a city to kind of observe how people treated them differently with this big scar. And right before they sent them out into the city, the makeup artist, like pretending to touch something up, took the scar off completely, mm-hmm. but they didn't know that and then sent them out into the city and 10 out of 10, 10, out of, 10 of them reported man, people treated me like garbage, they were eye contact, like they believed this thing to be true about them. And, and what Paul, I think, is driving at here is, that's your old self. You've, yeah. you've died with Christ in those, you don't have to keep living into those patterns anymore. Yeah. Here, here's what it means to like walk in the newness of resurrected life. It's, it's really, it's, it's an invitation more than anything. Yeah. And like what you were saying elsewhere, the New Testament talks about, God, it's your loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. Not shame, not finger wagging not like fear of being smote or smit what's the past 
That's more like romantic, isn't it? No? I don't know. <laughs> either way, either way, we tend to think of those depictions like, no, it's actually, it's his love and compassion and kindness. That's what leads a heart yeah. to metanoia. To, to a phrase that kind of came to me when you were talking there is this like, then we're free to obey. Yeah, right. It's like exactly. obedience doesn't feel like a, like a requirement. It feels right. like a, a, a way to love, to love. That's right. You know, so I don't know. It's interesting. Well, you know, as Paul goes on to describe uh, what this, you know, kind of what this uh, new identity, that this new lifestyle that flows out of this new identity, he he uses the imagery of clothing. Yeah. A lot. And this is not the only place I think he does that. But but why do you think why do you think he does that? How, how what's the heart behind this clothing imagery? That's a great question. I had a couple of thoughts. You know, first he talks about putting to death the old self, right? And a lot of times I think our faith can stop right there. The Christianity is just a list of things you're not supposed to do, which if you were like me, when I first kind of really came to faith, someone's like, here's the things you're not supposed to do. I remember thinking, well, those are mostly all the things I currently do. So <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? You know, so there's certainly a putting to death of that, which is toxic to us and to others. But the idea of, of clothing though, does a lot of things. One, it's something that we do every day, most of us. Maybe that we're in quarantine, it's not as consistent as it was. Different clothing. Right, right. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that you do every day and you typically do at the beginning of the day. It's something that you, you take with you. And I thought about in the discipline of clothing ourselves in these things every single day. I've, I've cast off, I've put to death the old, which by the way, part of what's included in the old there are barriers of distinction. That's why he says there's no Gentile Jew slave or free anymore. That's that's the old way of living. Mm -hmm. When we clothe ourselves in these new things, that that means we live differently. The second thing that I think it, it reveals though is that there's gonna be days where I don't feel loving. I don't feel kind. I don't feel compassionate, but I, I clothe myself with it anyway. I'm making that that conscious choice to clothe myself in it. And then Paul says, and you know what the, the article of clothing that binds all that together, like the piece that brings the whole outfit together, it's love. The love, love is what ties all of those things together. And he's, he's referencing a lot of the fruit of the spirit. And I think often, I think we get confused when Paul talks about bearing fruit, we think it means growing fruit. I don't think they're the same thing. Growing fruit is like this obsession to, I need to make this happen or I need to constantly, it can lead to good things sometimes, but the invitation to bear fruit is totally different. Like John talks about abiding or remaining in Christ when he's the vine, we're the branch. Here's the fruit that comes as a result of that. From it's why at work exactly. inside of us. Yeah. Totally. It's why the identity piece is so important because when we think it's about us and our accomplishments and me like gritten with my own muster to become a better Christian. No, when we abide first in Christ and we know that we can rest in that, then the fruit that we bear looks like these things yeah. that Paul says, clothe yourself in that and yeah. keep clothing yourself. Make the choice every day to be covered in these types of things. Yeah. It's kind of back to where we were in the first chapter too, the mystery of Christ in you, yeah. doing, you know, kind of doing this stuff and, and uh, clothing you. But, but I think too, just to wrap this up, you know, you talked about how he says what binds all of these things together is love. And it strikes me that, um, you know, in these, in these things that we're to put on, it's like all of them are connected to relationships. Mm -hmm. They're all like about, about community with one another. And so, 
you know, it just made me think about, I guess one of the ways that we can respond to what Paul is saying there is just to think about ourselves. And, and if our words, if the things we're posting on social media, if our actions and attitudes, like, and just to ask, okay, are they contributing to like division in relationships right. or are they contributing to love and reconciliation um, and I don't know, I just think that that's a, you know, like when we look at the fruit that is coming out of our lives, it, it maybe gives us an idea of whether we are clothing ourselves in the right stuff. Well, and I think that's tricky too, because being loving or clothing yourself in love doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations, that there oh, aren't times yeah. like really call, especially when there's relational equity to say, I love you enough to tell you that yeah. the decisions that you're making are toxic and they're going to lead to destruction. That's a loving thing to do. But what I think is often tricky is the the ways that we go about those things and we sort of justify because like, well, I'm I'm telling them the truth. So it doesn't really matter how I say it. Well, Jesus and Paul would disagree with this. I think like I had a mentor that always convicted me with this question. He said, have I, have I prayed for my enemies half as much as I've criticized them? Hmm. That was always felt like a ton of bricks because he has one thing to like point a finger or they're not doing the right thing. But what is the loving thing to do in this moment? Don't just be loving because it's a good idea. It's who you actually are. You're made in the image and likeness of a God who is love. He's not just loving. He is love. You bear his image. So if that's true, then then live that out. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, we uh, probably need to wrap this up, even though sometimes (laughs) I feel like we could talk all day. (laughs) Yep. Um, But thank you. Hopefully this has been beneficial to you as well. And uh, we have one week left in this Turn the Page Bible experience. And so I hope that you'll join us again next week. Thanks, everyone. Everybody.